Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sprites of Life podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Chris. And I'm Don. Welcome back, y'all, to part three of our Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Now, guys, we did it! Three whole episodes! We did our opening extravaganza. Yeah, this is the final part. And you know what? The rule of anime states that you have to watch three episodes before you like it. So, so please, please listen, please. I don't think that that rule is exclusive to anime. I mean, okay, what other shows did you like? Is that like for all TV? I don't I've know. I've quit on. Other... I've quit on shows with way less than that. I've quit on shows within an episode. You should generally. I generally say give it three episodes. But then again, I also like hate watch a lot of shows because I feel invested. I in can't them. do it. You're the reason they gave Velma season two. It's people like you. I was gonna say I hate watched seasons like eleven through fourteen of Supernatural. Oh, that takes me back. Oh, those are good times. Oh, nice. You know they made an anime of Supernatural? It's got 12 I'm episodes. I'm not even it's surprised. Like, I didn't know that, but it's the least surprising fact I've heard about Supernatural. My fav- One of my favorite Supernatural episodes from like the back-end seasons was when they go to a high school, to an all-girl high school, to find out that they are doing a musical about the books based on their life. I remember that episode. <laughs> that was hilarious. That's a uh, great episode. Later in the season, like, one of my favorite things they did right before they ended was do a crossover with Scroo- Scooby-Doo. And that was yeah. pretty great. That's, That's a good one. Yeah. All right. Back on topic. So we've talked about wildlife. We've talked about culture. We got to talk about somebody, at least my mom's at least, least favorite subject in class, history. Woo. I mean, honestly, history is really cool if it's taught correctly. Like that's like if you had a teacher focus entirely on like memorize the dates and the person and what they did or you fail, you didn't you didn't get a good like, look, the dates are important, but the actions that people took and the consequences they have today, that's what history is. And that's what it can teach you. Statues and whatever, they don't teach you history. It's like to, the now teaches us. What what we learned from the past. That's the history. That's what's important. And the context from which ev- everything was happening too. Yeah, I mean, you can't talk about like the Civil War without understanding the history before and after. You can't talk about the Great Depression as like, well... They spent some money and then some stuff happened and they lost it. Like, you have to know. And even if you go back to ancient times, luckily, Pokemon reflects our life. And the games, I'll be honest, and you'll hear this later on, they had some mixed results with the history stuff. They had really great stuff. They had not so great stuff. We're going to talk about it. We might even summarize most of Spanish history. Man, I wish I could have more time to talk about it because, man, Spain is wild. But um, let's go ahead and we'll talk about some news because it is very relevant. What are y'all's thoughts on cement? I, I, it's like, it's, I kind of nothing it. Like it's always there. Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's, you can rely, it's pretty reliable, I guess, you know, good tensile strength and all that. It's, uh, gray is a nice neutral color. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Admittedly that was unprepped. And I, I figured something like that would happen, but if you ever heard of like the Roman cement, like whenever people make memes about like how Roman roads are still standing or how Hadrian's wall still has pieces in it, people bring up the construction of the Roman cement. I have heard about the Roman cement. Roman cement is apparently really good because it not only holds itself together, but somehow it's able to heal it. Yeah, I think there was like a whole mystery about um like now like any like if I remember right, and I apologize for my not that great cement knowledge. Most like structures of any real size has, has size have like rebar in them. Yeah, they do to help with the structure. And the Roman cement just doesn't, but it seems like it doesn't need it somehow. It really doesn't. So it turns out 
an MIT chemist named Admir Masik and his team decided to do an experiment and they did a lot of reading and literature. One of the reasons we know so much about the Romans is that they wrote everything down. And when they were doing some research, they found that if they used calcium oxide or quicklime and mixed it with volcanic ash to make cement and added water, like they mixed it in the right amount, they would get the cement. Now there was a thought that, okay, if you mix it this way, it'll cause enough heat that it could possibly explode and kill you. Nice. And so most people tended to avoid it or write it off. But it turns out what it worked. They were able to make the cement. And what is in the cement is really wild. It has these small white calcium-rich rocks just bedded inside of them. People used to assume that that was a flaw. It's a feature. What happens is whenever there's a crack in the cement, rain and water is going to get into it. It dissolves the rocks and allows the rocks to fill in the cracks. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. That's so cool. They figured this out thousands of years ago. This stuff could save so much money and reduce climate emissions. Most of the structures today, if I was reading this correctly, where did I put that number? So a total amount of like the manufacturer produce of one metric ton of CO2 per ton of purchased concrete currently amounts to about 8% of the annual global CO2 emissions. That's nuts. We make four gigatons per year of this stuff. But if you can manufacture it this way, you don't produce as much. The lifespan of your average concrete structure is only going to last you like about 150 years. That's it. But with and that's the, the Roman stuff's been doing it without the reinforcements. Imagine if you put the reinforcements plus what we must learn today. It's cool. This is why history is important. You look back and find cool stuff that worked. So happy. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm so blown away. This is so cool. I love it. I have to say, I can't think of anything more quintessentially human than inventing something and being like, well, 50-50, it'll either propel us to being one of the most dominant societies in the world, or it'll blow up. I mean, all the great inventions. Like, I, mean, I love it. Either All the greatest things of mankind were either an accident or a 50-50 shot of death. And that's that's lovely. I love it. I'm so happy. I mean, I just want to, I want to make some of the cement now. It looks great. I mean, I just want to use it. Like, I don't even build or anything. I just want it. All right. Sorry to gush. I kind of take up the time with those. Uh, for the news, again, when we were recording these earlier, we're not going to be able to be right on the cusp of video game and Pokemon news or whatever we're talking about. So we just still want to talk about some fun stuff for us. And in this case, I kind of want to talk about the DLC because these episodes, we're going to try and roll these out right around Pokemon Day just because it's a lot of fun for us. Where do y'all think we should go for the DLC. Don, do you want to go first? I feel like so. Okay, I almost have two theories, but I, I don't. There's like one that's obvious that people have talked about. I'm not going to. I think it would be really cool if we got like maybe like a Latin America DLC, like a little bit that teases like maybe maybe the region for next gen. But um, since we have like a little bit of Portugal, a little bit of Spain, sort of represented in Paldea, if we did like a maybe like a like a, a hint at like Brazil. Or like some sort of equivalent sort of deal as like because they taught we mentioned in um Quavel's Dex entry um how it's like from a distant land or something like that. One of the features that was missing from the game, like geologically speaking, that I thought was is really cool that should have been in there is the Strait of Gibraltar. Are we saying like a Morocco thing? 
Yes. Oh, that's cool. Uh, just just to the south, a, a Morocco <laughs> DLC region, I think would be really cool. Don, I think the other one is what you said people were thinking about, but I think it would be cool if it actually connected to Kalos. Yep, that's the one. I should, wait, let me flesh out mine like by like I by teasing like Latin America. I think like a I was thinking like a Caribbean sort of deal because I feel like the sea was kind of underexplored in um uh, Paldea. It was we, all we kept being we kept being attacked by psycho fish. But also also like there's it, that one part in um Portugal that has the crazy giant waves, and I wish they had referenced that. That would be that would have been awesome. I mean, now when you say a Caribbean island, are we going to explore it or conquer it? One of the I was two. thinking more of like a a fun non-conquering style of an adventure, but <laughs> well, that's not very Spanish at all. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I think that's a good idea. Honestly, that'd be really cool. Like, wow, you're the champion now. You want to go to vacation at these islands? They're really cool, and then find some ancient mystery yeah. or what have you. I think that'd be cool. As far as for me. I honestly would love to see us go to Galar again. But, like, I understand that Galar wasn't everyone's favorite with the Dynamaxing and stuff, and there's a risk that they'll bring Dynamaxing back, and not everyone wants that. I am no longer worth... I, I, I was I was with you until you said that, and I'm no longer with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my fear. I, I like the idea. There's connections within these cultures. So, obviously, going to Kalos is really cool, too. That would be a fun idea. If you're going to go anywhere, though, I think... Kind of that North Africa feel, like going to the Mediterranean and island hopping in the Mediterranean would be really cool. Oh, what if they did like a the Odyssey DLC? Oh, that would be cool. Oh, what if they did a Hannibal DLC where you have to cross the mountains to get somewhere? We already have Caparaja, right? So is Mamoswine in the game? We need a like a steel ice elephant. Ooh, Paldean Caparaja. Oh, I mean, we already have Caparaja in the game normally, though. Yeah, we have so, Dugdrio oh. in the game normally. Well, that's not Paldean. Never mind. I apologize. No, um, yeah, again, yeah. And what's the Paldean? Like, we, we have normal Taros, don't we? N- no, no, we don't. We don't. Dang it. No. Yeah, I know. They'll just have to make a new elephant. Donathan, you're getting another form. Congratulations. It can be a passport. Wait, we have oh. we have Iron Tusk. Is that not Steel Ground? Or uh, whatever it is. Not Iron Tusk. That's Great Tusk. And then we have uh, Iron Roller. Iron Treads. The worst, the worst, the worst one. To the mountains. <laughs> Oh, that would be fun. Again, there's a lot of things you can do with it. I think it all just boils down to what has Spain owned in the past and just going there. Although I will say Morocco was owned by the French, but that's neither here nor there. That's If we did a, uh, if we went back to Galar, you can only access it by using a pre-evolution of Delmais and you have to get thousands of The them. Spanish Armada? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised we don't have Delmais in the game because of Del- that. Honestly, Delmais with Terra seems, maybe they didn't want to deal with well, no, we have Bombardier, um, so I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, Bombardier and Berserker. Berserker, how it has Steelworker. Make it Berserker steel has Steelworker too. Not a Steelworker. What steel is he? Spear. That just ability. powers up steel moves. Yeah, so now give him the boost and make him more steel. Yeah, but I, I Berserker's in the game. Yes, yeah. I guess it is. Yeah, no one cares. You can, I'm surprised no one's tried like... to use it with Golden Goat yet. Yeah, it's weird. Again, it's it's fun, but it's weird. No one likes the cat except us. Anywho, all right. I think we've done enough speculating. By now, someone's going to be like, well, the trailer just came out. And we're like, you're all wrong. And like, nah, we're going to beat the trailer. I'm still having fun. I got to. Hey, I predicted the Iberian ribbed newt years ago. So I'm good. I'm happy. I don't I'm care if I'm waiting for anymore. my mantis shrimp. 
and you will keep waiting to the day you die. I, no, actually, no, that's a lie. You'll probably get it soon. That thing's awesome. I got my chili pepper, so I'm good. Mm-hmm. So that everyone's happy except blue jeans. <laughs> Shut up. Shut your mouth. Okay. All right. On to the actual thing. Before we talk about the Pokemon, let's just go over some quick history because it's thousands of years old if you if you are interested in a more in-depth history there are tons of resources out there to for you to explore and learn more about this area and the history that is involved with it thank you for covering my butt this is not this is by no means the comprehensive history of the iberian peninsula these are just things that i find interesting and i piled up and i had them listen to me talk about okay so the culture of the Iberian people was largely shaped by the people they traded with. They had their own thing going on. They had their own languages, their own customs. They traded with the Greeks. And of course they had stuff, which meant the Romans wanted it. So when the Romans came a knocking, they Iberians, you know, they put up the fight, their tribes, but in the end, the Roman Legion was the Roman Legion and kind of took them down. Uh, the language of the Iberians went extinct about one or two AD and then was replaced with Latin. And it has been replaced in, a Latin language ever since uh, the area pretty much took up Roman culture, like a sponge. Um, it's weird because like the British kept fighting it and eventually some parts took it and some parts didn't, but th- that whole area decided, okay, we'll be Romans now. Please stop hitting us. Um, and that is not to say that they went down completely without a fight, but again, it's the Romans. They do what they do. They, they, they conquered a lot. They did it, and that was their downfall. Eventually, they spread out too much, a lot of infighting in the Romans, and they fell. When they fell, a bunch of people decided, yo, let's take this over. The Germanic kingdoms and the Byzantines took over at first. Uh, But honestly, what's more interesting was um, the Muslim occupation. It's something we don't talk about as much with these histories, is that a group of uh, Muslims in a specific caliphate took over the peninsula around the 700 A.D., and changed the name of the area to Al Andalus. Uh, I think Al Andalus. Andalus. Luz. Don, you want to give a shot at this? I, I'm not sure. Okay, good. You're the brave one here. You're not going to say nothing. All right. Anyway, uh, the Moors. Uh, that's like the Muslim population was called at least in our time. They brought in a system where they were at the top of the social structure and they ran everything. It is debated depending on the source, how tolerant they were of religion, with some claiming that it was an age of tolerance and people were allowed to do a little bit more, while others debate that it was not so tolerant whatsoever. There are stories from that time period of people of Jewish faith rising to prominent positions. There are stories of Christians rising to prominent positions in different areas. But the big thing about it was that that area became a a hub for cultural and intellectual discussion. It was one of the few places in Western Europe you could go to if you wanted to have a spirited debate with different cultures and ideas. Should that have come at the cost of a system where people were downtrodden and kicked around because of their belief? No. This system didn't work well for everybody, but it did also produce this. It's just one of those things you have to accept. Now, eventually, that control did get loosened up by the Christians who did what's called the Reconquista, in the late 1400s. So they held on to that stretch of land for a while. Yeah, like 700 years. Yeah, the Reconquista. Not not very fun 
for someone who was not like they they went back on and anyone who was Muslim or Jewish, they went back on them real hard to the point that there were actually Jewish people who were sneaking aboard the ships to go to the New World. Like they didn't want anything to do with it. This is when you hear about the Spanish Inquisition. This is when you start hearing these people doing some pretty terrible stuff. Now, the age of conquest, or they call it the age of exploration. People call it the age of conquest. You can call it whatever you want. Once the Christian kingdoms took over, they decided that they were going to focus on trade as well as rooting out anyone who wasn't Christian. Uh, Christopher Columbus discovered a new source of wealth for the Spanish. And uh, man, they took to that real well. He was not the first explorer to make it there. He wasn't the last. Uh, the gold and silver mine made Spain disgustingly rich. And of course, that wealth was uh, pumped into the military and as well as the country as well. And it elevated Spain's status as a military power and a symbol of European culture. One of the reasons Christopher Columbus was able to be sent, even though everyone knew he was wrong about the other side of the planet, was because they just had enough money to throw around. It's kind of, kind of like having your like dumb cousin like, dude, I want to make a startup where we give cryptocurrency to babies. And it's like, I mean, my cousin has some really good like Bigfoot hunting theories. And like, I'm I'm about it. Would you invest in it? You're just like, you have the excess cast. Yeah, think about the payoff. Yeah, of course. Why would you not? He's out there, man. <laughs> so, like, no, Christopher Columbus is now compared. I know what I saw. Christopher Columbus is compared to Don's big-footed cousin. I don't think he'd appreciate that, which means I absolutely love it. Now, nah. uh, one of the things I always found interesting about Christopher Columbus, and obviously the second you mentioned his name, people mentioned how terrible he was, he was so disliked in his own time. He was brought to trial for crimes against humanity, basically. Like they brought, they even they thought that he took it too far when he did all that stuff. So it's one of those things. If you're not comfortable hearing that Christopher Columbus was a jerk, history says he was a jerk. It's one of those things you have to pick up with and move on. He, not everyone's a hero in history. Now, for a time, and we kind of mentioned it, the Spanish Navy was horrifying. It led to the and it led to the British Empire paying people to attack their vessels in the New World, essentially creating pirates. The Spanish Armada's power was so great that we got Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean. That is the direct line of history. That's what it's all about, right there. Spanish Navy in the 1400s, Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp. You see the line of dominoes. The first dominoes is like the Spanish conquering the Spanish Navy. The final one is Pirates of the Caribbean 5. That's exactly how this Are happened. we up to six now? Have they made a six? Is it, are we done at five? They, they try with Margot Robbie and like they panned out on it. I don't know. It's a just watch the first one is usually my advice to be. Watch the first one, second and third. I like the first like one for the actual movie and the next two for the memes. Yeah, no, they did some good work with Davy Jones. The CGI on that just. Yeah, I was going to say, it's worth it for, for Davy Jones' CGI, but beyond that, it's kind of meh. Okay, so um, let's skip a whole bunch of stuff and move closer to modern day. Because, again, this is not a whole big thing on history, but I think it's very important. You don't hear a lot about Spain in World War II, do you? Not typically. You don't. Like, no one, like, no one talks about it. And the reason is that during that time, there was the leadership of francisco franco who was a fascist dictator who basically between 1939 and 1975 is is thought to be responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people who were killed in silence under his regime but to this day many people still view him as a hardliner who kept spain out of the war and uninvaded he was also supported by the united states and the uk it's definitely one of those pieces of history you forget 
because you don't talk about it. Like we talk about where everyone was doing and fighting in the war. Why wasn't this area fighting? It's because they had a guy who was just, no, we're not going to fight. You're going to stay here. Or he just controlled them all. And to this day, you still have people who think he did the right thing. It's like how some people in Russia still like Stalin. It's weird. But it really is one of those things you have to remember that these people were under this threat. It's, it's wild stuff that we don't talk about how long this guy was in power. But That's yeah, a pretty substantial like span of kind of like recent history. This guy was in power from World War II to the end of the Vietnam War. All of that got moved past. Spain has had its ups and downs throughout its entire development as a nation. It has had conquests. It has been conquered. It has had to deal with Napoleon. It has had to deal with getting into Napoleon's brother, which is even worse. But today, it is a tourist hub for millions of people. British tourists around the year go to Spain in part because it's just a sunny, nice place to be. It's got beaches, beautiful cities, rich history. This area is built to be admired and adored. And people come here to this amazing place, not just for the history, but just because the people that the history formed. So many cultures, so many festivals, so many different identities boiled into this tiny peninsula. I, I just think it's such a cool place that they've put together. Now, obviously, they've gotten pretty good in the past decade or so of picking places with a lot of history. And I hope that Pokemon can continue that with the DLC. I mean, that's... I think it's really cool. Anyone else have something to add? I do have one little uh, sort of World War One related thing. You said that they were one World War One and Spain related uh, tidbit. Do you know about the influenza of 1918? Yeah, of course. Spanish flu. Do you know why it's called the Spanish flu? Because they blamed it on them? Uh, kind of, sort of. On both sides of the war, uh, the medias were not wanting to report the outbreaks of the flu because they didn't want to affect morale. But Spain was a neutral country and was largely reporting all the bad stuff that was happening with the flu and all the people seeing all of these stories come out from Spanish news sources and such just started to assume that the, that Spain was like ground zero for the outbreaks of this flu strain, uh, which was not the case, but it just kind of took and people started calling it Spanish flu. I think in Spain, they thought it originated in French and it was called the French flu in Spain, but regardless, uh, yeah, it's, it was widely known as the Spanish flu when they were just really the ones only ones who were talking about it openly because no one else wanted to scare people. Yeah, there's a lot of prevailing, like, different weird theories as to where the actual virus came from. But I remember hearing that story in the past. So, yeah, um, don't blame them. Blame, I don't know, the French. I'd, I'd rather blame the French. Anyone here want to blame the French? Oh, on this one, we'll just we'll just not we'll just say everything was bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was World War One. There were no good guys or bad guys. Yeah, just World War One. All right. On to the Pokemon. That's what they're here to see. And oh, baby, did we get some... I mean, I don't know if they're here to see them exactly. Shut up, Don. It's an auditory medium. In this, in this, in this wonderful uh, Pokemon podcast about the Iberian Peninsula, Lucas, are you going to tell us about ostriches? I mean, God, I, I wish I didn't have to. But yeah, wild, terrifying ostriches. What are your thoughts on this Pokemon as like a, like a whole? Don, give us give us the Espathra breakdown. All right, so I I like it. Um, honestly, it's it's really grown on me. I don't really deal dig Flittle. Personally, I would have rather been like an ostrich chick instead of like a Muppet. If you've never seen an ostrich chick, you understand. Look, everyone, pause this. Go look up an ostrich chick. It's the best. Okay, now unpause. Back to yeah, back. so it's a weird little Muppet. I don't really like it that much, but um, I like Espathra. 
I like the design. I like the sort of like Egyptian sort of influence it's got going on with like the haircut. Yeah, it's it's weird because I was looking it up, and one of the things I do when I reach is like, all right, Bulbapedia, what do you think it's from? And so I look it up, and they're like, oh yeah, it's a combination between ESP and Cleopatra, and I'm like, weird. But yeah, I can see the Egyptian thing, and it, it it's weird to me because, okay, the people who took over Spain in the 700s were the Umeda Caliphate. They were the first ones to invade in the 700s. They did conquer parts of Egypt too, but it wasn't Egypt that took over. Egypt had had nothing to do with Spain directly, like ever. So it's weird. The I will say the uh, in the other countries' names of it in French, the name is I obviously do not speak French, but it's Cleop Cleopsitra. I think that's I think the Citra is probably something psychic, and then obviously Cleopatra. <laughs> It seems like a waste of a Cleopatra name, honestly. I mean, a snake was the one that killed Cleopatra, so why not just name find get a new snake? Name it that. Why does it have leg warmers on its neck? Like 1980s leg warmers. On its neck? I think it's just stripies. She's a maniac. A maniac on the floor. Also, I like how the shiny form is like almost just straight up ostrich colors. Hey, is this once again me Googling ostrich, like shinies again? Is this a shiny you actually like? I like the shiny. I like that it's like basically ostrich colors, but like with purple instead of pink and a stripy <laughs> neck. Well, son of a gun, it does look pretty good. Yeah. No, I, I like Espathra. I can tell you, I can tell you guys this because this is going to air after. I'm bringing it to Florida Regionals with a couple other people. Get that speed boost going. Yeah. It, its abilities are sick, honestly. Um, I guess like you can maybe make some... Um, I'm not that well versed in Cleopatra. Did she like seize power? I think she was pretty politically good, right? She was one of the most politically savvy leaders of the ancient. Yeah, that's world. what I thought. So, Espathra's signature ability is opportunist, where you copy the opponent's stat boost. The name probably being a reference to Cleopatra's like political savviness. It has Frisk, which like reveals the foe's held item, which is just generally useful, and hidden ability speed boost. Um, it's got like so a good ability and two great abilities. Also, the the absolute insanity. That is the move Lumina Crash. Oh, goodness, yes. Hi, your screens. Yeah. Well, it's like no. Acid Spray was like pretty... Acid Spray got used and it's like base 20 base power. Um, And then we just have Lumina Crash that's Acid Spray, but base 80. And Brick Break. Is it also Brick Break? Doesn't it also break screens? No. Okay, no, that's... I was about side. to... I was about to like... I'm already using a Spathra with that, but I was about to be way more stoked on it. Yeah, no, it's it's a good move, but it's not not that good. I'm sorry, I I forget things. The brain don't work that well. I do think again, Rilor and Rabaska are also lumped into like. Time out. Have you seen Rilor's face? I don't want to talk about Rilor's face. It looks like Groucho Marx. Yeah, it does, and it, I don't know why. I like it. I don't. I actually use Rabska on my in-game team. I got it like super early, and I got a Terra raid for a, a rock Terra type, which was sick. And um, I really like that Mon Revival Blessing sick. You're the one who taught me the double bomb technique, and it was really fun. Just big fan of the design, too. Yeah, no, it's they're cool, but I... I Other than the face is a little something. Yeah, no, I, I'm just... I don't know. The Middle East doesn't get enough representation as it is in terms of its culture, aside from, like, dark stuff and, like, Egypt and Arabian Nights. And, like, come on, you can do... It's kind of like... When they use Egypt to represent the Middle East, it's like only using Britain to represent all of European history. Is it a big part? Of course it is. But Middle Eastern culture deserves more reputation. That, that's what I think anyway. But if you're going to name something after an ostrich that like rips apart teams, goes really fast, and just has an opportunistic streak, yeah, pretty good name. I'm into it. And ostriches did live out in that area, so you know it counts. Anywho, 
How do y'all feel about the giant salt monster that made it through all the rankings? Oh, uh, it's really good. I know you love it. Double bomb. That's that's my bomb. I know it's more it sits there and clicks salt cure. Um, I I think it's honestly it's got an insane ability. It's got an insane signature move. Like whoever like designed like I don't even know how to say it. Garganaseal. Garganackle. Garganackle. That's it. Yeah. Um, whoever designed them really like. They really liked the guy because they let him just have every movie he wanted to have. I mean, yeah, I got explosion out of it, and no one sees it coming. My only weakness is ghost and house. open team sheets. <laughs> yeah, that too. It's like, why did this thing have a choice ban and explosion? Oh, he's crazy. Lucas is crazy. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's the guy. Did I've actually killed teens by blowing up twice? I've blown up, revived, and blew up again without even thinking. I just like death. It, it was fun. I just love blowing up. It's, it's it's just fun. But the reason I like bringing it up in the history one is because not too long ago, salt was once considered white gold. Without refrigeration, you had to preserve meat somehow, and that was pretty much how you did it. You just dicked it in salt, dipped it up there, and just worked out. In Spain, uh, the Montañas de Sol, or the Mountain of Salt in English, outside of Barcelona, has been harvested for over 10,000 years. The Neolithic period still has signs of people harvesting and stuff. The Romans went in and harvesting. The Byzantines, the Moors, everyone realized, oh, snap, that's a big mountain of salt. Now it's a tourist attraction, so you can actually go visit it. Some really stunning features there. A lot of good caving out there in uh, Spain. If you get a chance, not just history, lots of good caves. Anyway, the stuff was so valuable that instead of giving money, you could just give certain amounts of salt and you'd be good to go. It's pretty awesome. I wish we could still pay with salt. I would love that. I would love to just be like, yeah, I got, uh, oh, I'm out of money. Hang on. I think I got a couple packets here from the lunch. And just like that, that should be worth like 32 cents, right? Now, eventually, we figured out that salt sanitizes wounds and not just causes excruciating pain. And so that's why salt cure exists. And that's why these, um, that's why you have it in the decks that this Pokemon will actually try and heal other Pokemon with its salt because we found out that salt will attack the contaminants in the wound in order to purify it. To this day, whenever I have a sore throat, my mom screams at me on the phone, hot water and salt. And that way it will help burn out any of the infection of the bacteria. She still does it to this day. Is that another tragic aspect of Pokemon where it's actually trying to help? (laughs) Like it's trying to heal them and it's just slowly killing them. Well, I mean, if you over cure, well, if you were to over salt something, what would tend to happen is that, what is the term? It's not osmosis. Oh, there's a chemical term for it. I always, I was so but you bad. would like dehydrate it. Yes, exactly. That's why it does damage. And that's why it does so much damage to water type. The wa- and steel the salt, types because corrosion. Corrosion. The salt is drawing right. away all the water. Is yeah, It's drawing the water away. And causing you to dehydrate. And the salt is just increasing the corrosion effect and just causing you to rust. So it's, it, it makes sense. It's such a fun attack. I love using it, but it, like. It should obliterate dry skin mons. That would actually be a really. Dry skin, it's just gone. Just literally turns to dust. Oko. Oh, you have Helios? That's fun. Duh. Ha, dust. Do you guys also imagine him doing like the Salt Bay like sprinkle? Like, you know that one chef that got famous? Yeah, he's like banned from the World Cup now. What? He was there. He's like trying to take the trophy away from the players. And I guess it's like against like the FIFA law for anyone that's he not a tr- player or a soccer official to touch the trophy. 
he was taking photos with Me- or trying to take photos with Messi. And he's got weird. He'd wear weird like Matrix glasses on. Yeah, that's his biggest crime, Don. That's what he did wrong. It was all weird. I mean, yeah, weird dude. Oh well. On to Toros, because this is the one a lot of people expect when you talk about Spain. Let's talk about the bull. What are your thoughts on the bull? I love that Toros is getting some love in what a glow up right yeah it was it was much needed because toros i was always like that's just a bull and so they finally like gave it some some cool now it's a bull with little blue dots on its chest now it's a bull with more of an attitude problem somehow yeah so it turns out um again when i'm looking this up if y'all don't like hearing about animal cruelty you might want to skip ahead until we get to the next one because this kind of brings that up but it turns out people have been trying to poke bulls with a stick to have them chase you so you could hurt them back for thousands of years. Some of the oldest depictions of bullfighting in any capacity are over 1,500 years old. It's crazy. The Romans were the ones who were also doing that, all kinds of sports with it too. Over the centuries, um, they did change the rules and the means and the popularity. Um, for a long time, it was involving horseback. So you'd get into the arena with a horse and a stick and you just start poking at it while it chased you and the horse. But by the 1700s, eventually bullfighting was done on foot and it did a massive transition. Bullfighting got weaned out by the nobility because of like, oh, we get to ride horses, la di and stab, stab, stab. For the common masses, oh, hey, he's on foot like us and it's cheaper and easier to watch and be a part of, so let's do it. Uh, the reason... Tauros has variants in this area is because thanks to bullfighting being coming so popular in the 1700s, they decided that bull breeding was a viable market. So this made it so that people started breeding the best and most terrifying bulls they could make. That 31 attack IV. Yeah, it's basically what they were, we do with Pokemon today, just with real animals. Every time you got a bull, you kept breeding it to make a bigger bull. And it's, um, yeah. I don't know what the people in this game were doing to breed these, because if you read the deck entries, like the flaming Tauros can shoot out fire that's about as hot as lava at its hottest, and the water one has water bolts that can cut through steel. What were, what sport were you playing? Like, did you really, like, imagine a matador in the Pokemon world. No, that's not like a sport. That's an execution of the matador for crimes. Like, what if Gastrodon's the matador? Well, hang on now. <laughs> Oh, that'd be actually, that'd be really, no, they got, oh, that'd be an interesting, like, way to, Matador gets to bring one Pokemon into the ring. He doesn't know what Taurus is going to come out. Which do you pick? Gastrodon. And then I get to live. But it really, um, people like to think of it as like, well, bullfighting is not done. It, it's, it's still done today. Like it's practiced in Spain, Portugal, France, Mexico, Venezuela, pretty much anywhere there used to be a Spanish colony. Everywhere the Spanish went and spread their influence. You had a ton of people also bringing things like bullfighting into the ring. Everyone had cows. They felt it was entertaining. They didn't have television, so they killed bulls for sport. It's not exactly um, uh, a pretty picture for the animal kingdom, but luckily more and more people understanding killing an animal for entertainment is wrong. I will say, though, that the history of the matadors, which is way too long to get into right now, yeah, there's a lot of them that like basically got super famous. Like If you were a good matador... You were basically like, you were going to see the queen. You were going to be like in the top echelons of society at a certain point because you were like the coolest dude on the planet. We don't have it. We don't have any trainers that fit that though. We did not get any 
Tauros fighters, did we? Yeah, we didn't get a Matador in any capacity. I think that was a wise move just because people would have been upset. Probably. Yeah, we got Larry, which is, you know, an even even trade. Even trade for Larry. Uh, I, I, I'll talk about Larry more if we could. But on to the last Wasn't, wait, wasn't there a dude with like a whip or something, though? The grass guy? Yeah, he had a whip. That was an art whip. His, his clothes his clothes are kind of snazzy, but doesn't, he doesn't like have the hat or the, like a little. Cape. It was an art whip, Don. It's, you get them at art college. Every artist gets a whip. Everyone. Knows I went that. to it's a pretty fun. artistic college, and I don't remember that many whips in an official. Capacity. You went to Eckerd. The only thing artsy about them was that they didn't wear shoes. They all love the ocean. That's artistic. They're hippies. <laughs> Did you read the syllabus, Don? Some of it. A trick question. Nobody reads the syllabus. All right, so. This next poke these next two Pokemon were not introduced in this region, but they are still awesome that they were added at all. Phalanx and Capraja. Amazing to add this. I love Phalanx. He's one of my favorite Pokemon to ever be created. He's probably in my top five. I wish Phalanx was better. I wish he was better. In battle, in battle stuff. Just yeah. I wish he was better. I love the design. I like the signature move. I almost wish it was a plus two across the board, though. I think that would make it like more viable. Yeah, that would be. It'd just be like a, oh, look, a little Dondozo. Oh, God. Honestly, yeah. I mean, now we have Dondozo. And it's like, yeah, it's not a 2v1, but like Phalanx's base stats, I think, are not as good as Dondozo's. It's way less bulky. Yeah, I mean, even if you had an Amoongus Rage Powdering, you could only probably get one off before that really failed miserably. And by that point, someone trick rooms you, you know, not exactly the best result. The Roman Empire at its height, it really was the juggernaut of culture and warfare. And we still use a lot of their stuff today. I mean, not their cement, obviously, but like we use their political system, their ideas, their philosophy, their teaching. A lot of the phrases are still used today. What's weird is that when they're making phalanx, and obviously it's based on the Roman legions, they use the word brass, like in the day, like, oh, the head one is called the brass, which is like a super modern term that showed up in the 1800s. Um, the the real term they used for like a head of a legion was the le- legite, and that was the actual term. I guess that le- I, I heard one YouTuber call it legite when I was researching this, and that's what I went Okay, for. they say legate in um, Skyrim. I know that much. Okay, did you kill the Legates? Because I know I did. If you're a for the, North. Uh, the Legion was more than just an organized machine of war. The Legions consisted of not just soldiers, but craftsmen and strategists and laborers and cooks. These were a functional army. You are supposed to be able to function like your own little like moving village of death. And so whenever they came across a problem, they would have to build a way around it. So they'd have to build roads to make sure they can get back bridges in order to cross roads. They'd have to make sure that everything was working out. So they were really well organized and logistically savvy. I think that the coolest thing about this Pokemon, the best part is that in the decks, it states that the brass orders them around with its red horn. Now I had to look this up because originally when I found this, I was like, oh, they could signal with flags. It's way cooler than that. In real life, they had multiple flags, multiple colorations, and if you wave them the right way, they spelled a letter. So what would end up happening is over the battlefield, instead of having runners going back and forth when it was too far distance, they were able to not just like wave a flag, they were able to communicate like written instructions like turn back 
or a attack now or left flank move. They were able to coordinate that in ancient times. They were actively coordinating their attacks. This is why they won almost every fight because they were able to coordinate those stunts. And I, I just love it. I Structure love and organization goes a long way. Yeah, and logistics, that's how they won. Everyone has this idea of like the Spartan warrior, like the super soldier who can fight any fight and all the battle and glory. No, war, like combat is like, it's a numbers game. It's logistics, it's math. And no one likes to hear that math is what starts and stops wars, but it's usually math. And I hate math, but it's still cool. Again, I love this guy. But the next one, Kapraja. Okay, so... Europe had mammoths, right? I'm pretty sure they did. Yes. They definitely had mammoths. Yeah, they had mammoths. But obviously when the Ice Age passed away, they kind of died off. Uh, People were eventually bringing them back to Europe, but they didn't really, you know, take to it. Now, Kapraja is based on the Indian elephant. And when this Pokemon was introduced, it made sense because it was in the Gala region, Britain, which has ties to India because, you know, they used to own them. But this species of elephant that isn't, in the game, and what Kapraja would be based on if it was more historically accurate would be the Northern African Forest Elephant. Now, has any have either of you heard of the North uh, the North African Forest Elephant before? I think I have. Um, I know, like it was a wasn't it? Um, like Hannibal used them, right? And then later, the uh, didn't the Romans like extinct them because they liked to play? I think it was called Wenatio. It was like a, a gladiator game where they'd have a bunch of dudes fight some dudes on an elephant, and they liked it so much. I think they like had a role in the extinction of the North African elephant. They did. Don's got it. Chris, sorry, you lose points. He, he got it. And we got the one that's not even the show notes. Like he just knows that they may have been smaller. <laughs> that's the thing. We don't have like the best description of them because the best description we have of them are them being slaughtered in the arena or Hannibal riding up on their backs. I know that Hannibal did have like a one tusk elephant. That was like one of the few ones to survive. And that's pretty cool. Again, one of the things I had to look up with the history of elephants in Europe, and it's pretty awesome. But Hannibal, if you don't know, during the Second Punic Wars, he was trying to get the jump on the Romans. So he could have gone one of two ways. He could have gone the obvious route, or he could have crossed the Alps and gone in from the top. So he decided to go with the weirdo route. And from North Africa, he imported these elephants. Now, in order to do that, he had to go in through Spain, up around into the mountains, and down into what is now Italy today. So that didn't work as well for the elephants, but I really want to know more about the North African forest elephant because African elephants are mean. They are not like, you notice when people are riding elephants around, they're not doing it in Africa because the African elephant would not tolerate that nonsense. Like it's very difficult to actually get them to work with you because the Indian elephants, they're a little more pliable. African ones, not so much. I would really have loved to see these species and what they did with them. But in any case, yeah, no. Uh, Hannibal eventually he didn't win, but it's still pretty cool. It was it was a it was a bold strategy. It's one of those 50-50. It's either gonna work or it's gonna blow up in your face. Yeah, it's just like the cement. But it really cool to me that like they put an elephant in the game because it allowed me to look up elephants in Europe, and it turns out the Portuguese were really, really weird. There are not one, not two, but three separate interests of Portuguese royalty giving away elephants as gifts. And this, they're not the only ones. Like, the the British got elephants as gifts every now and again. People gave elephants. It's, it's a thing. It was a cool present at the time. What's a cooler present than a big giant monster you get to take care of? I mean, that's what an elephant was to these people. Hey, you brought a monster. 
as my pet. This is so cool. Thanks a lot. The coolest story was about John the Third of Portugal. He gave a he gave an elephant to Maximilian II of the Holy Roman Empire in the 1500s. So that was his gift, only to be topped further by Portugal then giving an elephant to Pope Leo X for his coronation. The reason the Pope story is great is because, well, it died four years later. That wasn't great. But the Pope loved it so much that he got the Italian artist Raphael, yeah, Renaissance master Raphael, not the turtle, to build an actual, like, a tomb for this elephant. And it's still there today. Like, you can go and find, like, the elephant, the dead elephant's tomb of Pope Leo X. Apparently, this guy loved the elephant so much that there's an entire book written about it called The Pope's Elephant. Again, history. Wild. I love it. Some might argue, though, that the turtle Raphael designing the tomb for the Pope might be more impressive. You know, you have a point. That'd be pretty sweet. I watched that episode. Again, I, I think it's something interesting to say about that history in elephants. And I, I love going on these tirades and rants, but it really does boil down to that history has these weird, fun stories. And I think what we get stuck with a lot of times are like the really bad stories or the really good stories. Sometimes you just got to take a break and learn about the dude who gave elephants his gifts. Wait, is that is the Pope's elephant buried at the Vatican? Don't, I never found the exact location, honestly. I knew it was out there somewhere. Hang on. Hanno was interred at the Cortile del Belvedere. Okay. Yes, it was in Smithsonian Magazine. Okay. Just a few feet below ground, apparently, it says. In turn, there is an elephant buried at the Vatican. There you go. There is an elephant buried at the Vatican, y'all. That is, that is what your final lesson for the day is. There are elephant bones at the Vatican. Also, a, quite a few human bones. I say this as a Catholic. There's probably a lot of human bones in there. <clears throat> Anywho, on that, the bones under the Vatican, I think we kind of wrap up, at least for now, overall, what we thought of Paldea. I like this region. I'm enjoying myself. It's a, it's a fun region. It's a fun game. And it feels like we're just getting started with it. Oh, yeah. We got so many series to play. I can't wait for the Hisui Mons to make their way in. That is going to be nuts. Bear. I can't wait to see what that fish does with Wave Crash. It's going to be mean. Bear. I think Gastrodon's going to have to be on every team. But yes, no bear. Bear. I don't know, Don, what do you want to play with when that game comes out, when they get the new monster? Honestly, I, I'm really interested to see if um Cleavor set, like, sets up like auto stealth rocks. That's actually really cool because you're kind of not wasting a turn. Yeah, no, you could literally choice spec a uh, choice scarf it and make sure that it always landed out so that way it just causes that little bit of extra damage. I would like more with the ability of what's that poison rock one? Glamora? Glamora, yeah. I'm a big fan of Glamora. I would like more Monzo if you hit it like stealth rocks came out. Yeah. Or like things like that. Like I like that ability because it's we like We did that with Sandaconda back in the day. That was a uh, sandstorm. Yeah, hit sandstorm. So like that was like the the testing waters. That was a little bit of the test. Huh. I mean, it gets. I mean, the um, Cleavor gets sharpness later. It lights an ability, and I think that's rad. I do want to thank you guys so much for listening. Obviously, when you're finding a new podcast and you're three episodes in, you're like, all right, what do we expect? And honestly, what you can expect is three guys who really love teaching, who love learning, who love trying to help people understand that like the world is fun. It's not always depressing. It's not always a glorious adventure. But, you know, there's just fun stuff to learn from the games we play. A lot of these people work really hard on it. So next episode, new game. 
You'll find out in the next episode when you click it. But I want to thank you guys again so much for listening. Obviously, all of our socials are down below. Please feel free to come and communicate and chat with us. We are always open to hearing what you guys have to say, as well as any games you want us to talk about, any weird science. If you have people who you think, hey, you guys should talk to these guys, let us know. It's just the fun part of our day. We want us to have fun while we're here. You guys have anything else? Anything you I want say, to say to- if you like the show and you're enjoying it, we are new, so word of mouth is very, very impactful for us. So rating us and leaving a review on your podcasting app of choice or sharing on social media or sharing just with one friend who also loves games or loves science and loves talking about this kind of stuff. Just any help that you all can do in in helping spread our content out there is very much appreciated. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day. 